0: you be joking. You've got to be joking. Now, whether the treasurer wished to go to there or not, I would forbid him
1: going. I would forbid him going to the uh, centre to encounter uh, this un-representative swill out of there. Where, where, where the house has been to a
0: political start? Hey, Nick. And hello, listeners of the Unrepresented podcast. Welcome back.
1: It feels great to be back, Rob. I speak on behalf of the listeners and me. Because <laughs> it has been a hot minute since we've recorded. And boy, is a lot of stuff happened. Yeah, bit of stuff. Um, it's seeming, uh, uh, obviously, this time
0: of year, given the proximity to the election, fair bit going on in Australian
1: politics, of all things. Yeah. Um, there was a, was a while for last year where nothing was happening in Australian well, politics.
0: Especially when El Trumpo was president.
1: And you'd just be like... Well, we kind of have to talk about this stupid yeah. thing that he's done this week. Yeah, like the, the capital ri- riots and stuff, yeah. the insurrection. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I, yeah, over summer as well, over Christmas, it gets a bit quiet in yeah. the Australian politics. Oh, well, right. ScoMo's got to have his holiday. He does. He does, of course. Um, but, yeah, you know, even this guy, even ScoMo managed to mess things up over this, the holiday period, <laughs> which I guess speaks to the next level incompetence of this government. Yeah, absolutely. In my opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah only in my humble opinion. And uh, we are an unbiased podcast. Oh, of course. Cool. So have we not mentioned that before? <laughs> Completely. I mean, at this stage, can, can I just address this? Are we I feel like we're calling it like it is. Like, how can you not just be like at least objectively to some extent this government has been very incompetent. I feel like a lot of liberal party
0: voters are even on on the same view as us. It's yeah. just their opinion is
1: well, Labour
0: would somehow be worse.
1: Yeah, I mean, sure. And maybe that, yeah, that they, they can have that opinion that's well within their right. Uh, yeah. Maybe they're right, but I obviously don't think so. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it seems to me everyone is believing that the government is very shit.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's almost a universal opinion. I think we'll talk about that later.
1: We will talk about that later. More on this episode about how shit the government is. And then a brief insight into some uh, social, interesting social movements happening up in Canada, Rob. Oh, yeah. So very bit a, interesting. Bit of a little break from after I'm sure we'll talk endlessly about Australian politics. Well, Nick, I've been on holiday. I've been down at Albany in
0: Margaret River. So I'm going to need you to take the way with the news. What's happened?
1: Man, I can tell you what's happened, Rob. And <laughs> yeah, boy, do you need a break uh, from the news every now and then it, since the start of this year because... Every week, it's a new bloody scandal. ScoMo's melted again in front of the media. Uh, the, the thing that happened, I think the day that, that we released our last episode, but obviously that was after we recorded, was text messages between uh, Brittany Higgins and Barnaby Joyce were leaked, in which Barnaby Joyce called the PM Scott Morrison a liar and this was in in 2021 i think yeah
0: well Oof. barnaby barnaby's just <laughs> just texting everyone and everyone about how much he hates skoma how
1: is barnaby texting brittany higgins like yeah. i just see brittany <laughs> higgins like obviously this super courageous woman who's come forward and have so much influence over this past year and then like barnaby Joyce. like barnaby oh yeah. my god like you know maybe the worst politician there is
0: yeah oh uh, yeah I don't know how those two interact with each other, as you said.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Anyway, yeah. So Barnaby Joyce called Scott Morrison a liar, basically, said he had no political conviction, that that kind of thing. That came to light. Barnaby Joyce offered his resignation to Scomo, and Scobo said no. Yeah. Um So that all that was a bit crazy. <laughs> I'm I'm shocked the fact
0: that Scomo's not, you know, saying no, you must remain uh unresigned well you must remain the leader of the nationals in all this trouble that you've caused
1: yeah i know i How? mean let's be honest the nationals who else do they have george christensen <laughs> <laughs> oh man he's liberal isn't he i think he's liberal no
0: you can't be that crazy in a liberal you have to I be a national he, to be that crazy i
1: think he's liberal the Libs have some pretty crazy people in. Oh, God. Yeah, it gets worse. And remember, Rob, this whole text message saga as well, I was confused when it came out because I thought it was in reference, I don't know if you remember, the text messages like we a Gladys. week before. Yeah, with Gladys. I thought, I thought basically we, the source it was revealed it was Barnaby, but then I realized it was, it was Higgins and Barnaby talking. Yeah. So there's two text message chains we've become aware of, <laughs> both in which a senior cabinet minister has basically just said they hate ScoMo, they hate the bloke. So, I mean, like, <laughs> Big going on? I, I, I've seen a lot of opinion pieces being like, this is character assassination. This is, this is terrible. Like, this is cancel culture and it's worse. I'm like, look, I guess maybe, but like these things just got leaked to the press. Like, what do we do? Like, that, that reflects poorly regardless. And also, it's just entirely consistent with the incompetence of the government we've seen over the past two years. There's a reason why, you know, our generation
0: uses WhatsApp and thing you know, encrypted messages that can't leak as easily as this.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and we know that leaks, what do leaks mean in a government? Yeah. Leaks mean that the leadership is, is forming apart, it's falling apart in the cohesiveness. You saw that with Kevin Rudd's cabinet, very leaky cabinet. And uh, Gillard's cabinet. Well, we we knew who the leak was <laughs> there. <knew> <laughs> Yeah, uh, that would be Rudd for anyone who uh, who does not remember that period. But yeah, obviously, that's pretty bad for the government. A little bit after that, what happened was Michaela Cash, obviously the Attorney General, uh, shelved the Anti-Corruption Commission, the, the ICAC legislation, the Federal ICAC legislation, saying they weren't going to be able to introduce it before the next election. Yep. Uh, that was in the morning. That was to the Australian Financial Review. And then by afternoon, Skoma was saying, actually, that might not be right. We might still be able to do it before the election if you're lucky. And then it was just a mess. That's also, I might add, another sign of just a really uh, disorganized, falling apart cabinet is when all the ministers are running different lines.
0: Yeah. What's going on? It. We know what's going on because later that week we saw... um. Scromo
1: getting rolled by his own cabinet uh, in regards to the religious discrimination bill. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother, like, (laughs) level of what is going on in government, Rob. I mean, you can speak to the religious discrimination bill, right? I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. Yeah, we have.
0: Um, As I I think I said to you pre-recording, the government has spent, they spent a a night arguing into the wee hours of the mornings till about 4 a.m. on this topic on a bill that, has no purpose, pretty much, other I mean, to n- discriminate against transsexual people.
1: Yeah, I I I, I don't know I think we said it before, no clue why the government feels this is a priority before the election from from even just an objective sense that they want to win government. Why do they think voters give a shit about this at all, besides the, the very small minority of religious people who And want surely this the place?
0: religious nuts are already voting for you anyway.
1: Exactly. Or they're voting for parties that <laughs> preferences are just going to filter to you anyways absolutely rob it makes absolutely no sense and it's just embarrassed them on i mean, on a different scale they had uh five of their own lower house mps vote against the bill um yeah. and then obviously, and then they killed it before it went to the senate they said look this isn't going to happen and yeah as you said he was rolled scott morrison b- allegedly said to his cabinet look i really need to pass this bill if we pass this i i I'll like double our efforts on the federal ICAC. We'll get it both moving, and his cabinet. I think we're basically just like there's no way that's politically feasible. It's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, I thought the gu- you know the one thing that Liberal Party does well is win elections. They know they know what hits the reptilian part of Australians' brains of boats yeah. and tax, right? Yeah, yeah. hip pocket nerve, as they say. Exactly. But this this doesn't even make sense politically, and why why would you do this when you don't have time? Allegedly, you've taken three years to not come up with a federal ICAC?
1: I mean, yeah, it's a it's a tough one to justify to voters, Rob. And I think the people who are putting a lot of pressure on ScoMo are those people who are in those marginal seats, Liberal Party mem- uh, Liberal MPs in marginal seats who think they're going to lose their seats in this upcoming election and know that voters want a federal ICAC and that yeah. would be a good piece of legislation to bolster support for the coalition. And I'm sure they're furious that the government has had three years and hasn't been able to do anything on this and instead they're focusing on the religious discrimination bill. Yeah, I mean, good stuff by ScoMo
0: once again, really. I, I think you, you can't really talk about the stupidity of that even anymore, right?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I genuinely think it's falling apart, that they're just disorganised, everyone is, is very scared they'll lose the election, and people are kind of going free-for-all, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it's every man and woman, or very few women. Yeah, few women themselves. there are. Yeah, yeah, in <laughs> <camera>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nick, taxpayers have been paying more than $10,000 a month for Jeff Christensen or George Christensen to run anti-vaccine uh, Facebook ads, yeah. which is great and yeah. good for democracy
1: yeah of course all all mps get a certain budget to advertise and boost their own support within their own electorate um i guess what i would say about this is this just shows what a kind of moron whack job we have in parliament in george christensen someone who absolutely deserves to lose his seat and may well do hopefully Um, who knows yeah i mean the liberal party should just disendorse him to be honest but they They're not at the stage that they can do that. <laughs> They're absolutely not in a position of strength right now. So they need to hit rock bottom before they do that. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah, come May when the election will be. If they get absolutely wiped out, that's the kind of soul searching that I, I hope they'll do. Yeah, let's hope, anyways. Hey, maybe they'll actually build up a party of principle in, uh, for a change. <laughs> don't don't bank on that. <laughs> that was my opinion as well. Again, yeah. You
0: know. Um and. Again, more signs of this party kind of splitting and disintegrating from the middle. Dutton's running the new line of China and Labor Party being in bed together. Yeah. Which, like, it's, first of all, really damaging for national security when you make um, national security issues um, partisan. And also, it's just not true.
1: Oh yeah, no. I mean, I I think it's very very unlikely that that's true. That's you know, quite a serious allegation he's made. So he did that in Parliament. Um, obviously he has what's called parliamentary privilege when he says yeah. that, so he can't be face any kind of prosecution or any legal troubles yeah. over what he says. The John Barillaris is special. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, parliamentary privilege is something which is actually kind of dumb and needs to uh, be looked yeah, it at. Yeah, needs to change. Uh, yeah, but I well I can't really I, I can't believe that. So. I mean, you mentioned that. Do you remember a few weeks ago you said on the podcast, maybe they'll try and use China um, as, a, as a way of securitizing this election? And I said, I don't really know how that would work. I mean, Rob, you called it. It's happened. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. What an insane call for the podcast.
0: Yeah. Look, what, I don't claim to be a, a political genius in that sense, but... um. You got the magic eight ball, Rob. Well, that's the thing. The Liberal Party always looks for security issues because that's where they do well, right? Uh, and that seems to be the only security issue that exists nowadays, which in the COVID world. Um, but it
1: doesn't work. It just doesn't work. No, and so so what's happened? So, but Dunn basically says something along the lines of, "You bet, we know who China is supporting in this election," alluding to the fact that China is supporting Labor and wants Labor to win. And then today in Parliament, uh, it's been, it was ruled as out of order uh, by the, the parliamentary uh, standing orders, which is the rules, the very loose rules that uh, apply to what you can and cannot say in Parliament. Uh, and he was, uh, there was talk about him offering an apology, even though I believe that... that that's we outside, never actually got that one. ...outside the rules or something. But there you go. He's had to retract or back down from that stance to some level. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> sorry, I think you went a bit crazy on that one. I mean again, as you said, signs of a, a fracturing cabinet.
0: Yeah, it it it's fracturing from all sides around SCOMO, hey.
1: Yeah, I, I, I really think things look things are maybe falling apart, but I I think if you're a liberal MP, your your hope is that SCOMO will do better. Uh so you're not you're not gonna ditch SCOMO anytime soon. Yeah. you're just fingers crossed that things will get better, I guess. Well that's another thing is Even it's too late to do a leadership spill. Yeah, too late to roll a leader. And as we said before, like... Who else? Who else? Yeah, like Frydenberg, but Dutton will contest it. It It'll be a whole
0: mess. There's more fracture in in that whole stuff. Uh, Nick, we've got here in our notes, North Korea does some missile stuff in news that I increasingly care less and less about. Yeah. Because that country is poor and insignificant.
1: It's it's amazing how that has fallen off the agenda as a foreign policy priority. Because that was huge. I don't know if you remember under the Trump administration. Yeah. That was a big, you know, hot button issue for them. But I mean, I I hardly hear anything about it anymore. It seems like it's all fizzled out really.
0: Well, I think a lot of people are just like, well, you can do your thing because you're never actually going to strike because that's the end of your country. Yeah, yeah. And we all, I think Kim, you know, everyone knows that the only thing
1: that matters in that country is that Kim is at the top. Yeah, absolutely, Rob. I mean, I'll link it to this. What more, what people are more concerned about now is the Russia Ukraine situation. And I know the other day Joe Biden said to all Americans, leave the country now, invasion is imminent. Yeah. So I, I think if we do see something happen, it could potentially be over the next week or so.
0: Yeah. We also saw um Australia move its like diplomats and, you know, foreign uh exchangey type guys to the west of the country. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a bit going on in the east of Ukraine right yeah. now,
1: if you don't know. Yeah. I think there's a big um, uh, story today about Boris Johnson trying to broker some kind of last-minute um, agreement yeah. or, or peace or something. It's interesting uh, how Boris is seemingly like really important in this whole thing. Oh, well, yeah, I can. Well, he pretends he is. <laughs> yeah, do. I know why he's trying to focus on that. <laughs> because, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, very much like his counterpart in Australia, his, his prime ministership is falling apart as well. Yeah, good to see. Yeah, <laughs> great to see if you're someone like us. But, <laughs> I mean, honestly, what I'd rather have seen is that last election, a Labor government got up. But, you know, this is, I guess, maybe second best. Yeah, um, I mean,
0: this government, right? Yeah. Um, Despite of everything, Channel 9, Peter Costello and 60 Minutes have tried to make Scomo look like a human being that, you know is it just a good old fashioned Aussie dad.
1: Yeah. I mean, for no one, for people who haven't seen this. I mean god I will not watch the whole thing. I've just <laughs> seen a video snippet of him on his on his bench outside um with his is it a ukulele? It is a ukulele, yes. Yeah, singing I can't remember the song, but it's by the New Zealand band Dragon. Yep. Uh and then subsequently the band has come out and called it a cynical move for a politician to co-opt music in an attempt to humanise themselves come election time.
0: Yeah. He also um there was also a clip that I've just been made aware of before this podcast because obviously I didn't watch this whole thing of just buttering up SCOMA. God no. Where he talks about how he spent the whole there's, you know, wares on the carpet outside his bed on the, on his side of the bed. Because he's been praying so much for Australians during the pandemic.
1: Oh, jeez.
0: Now, with all due respect to people of religious persuasion, I don't really mind. You can do that. It's not for me. But instead of praying, how about you fucking do something because you're the prime minister of an extremely powerful country in the world?
1: Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I, I fully agree, Rob. I just don't. I don't see from an objective point of view in terms of trying to win government why he thinks that's such a boon to him, to be honest. I, I Yeah. What I, is
0: with this guy and religion?
1: I, I Mate, don't... Mate, you're the
0: prime minister. You have, you have so much more power than God has over
1: our country. I mean, like, I'm trying to think, like, obviously I wasn't around when John Howard... Oh, yeah, I wasn't paying attention when John Howard was PM, but he was quite a religious guy. Tony Abbott as well. I don't think they ever leaned on their religion that much. No. I don't think they saw it as hugely valuable to their popularity.
0: No. Well, you know, I think that they'd use the whole, you know, Christian values line... But that's as far as it goes. Yeah. It's not fucking praying for God to do your job for yeah, you. Yeah, they don't talk
1: about that. So, I mean, yeah. And, and all prime ministers, oh, many of the prime ministers have been religious. Yeah, Kevin Rudd, I think, is religious as well. Yeah. Well, Gillard, it, Gillard famously not, but...
0: Yeah, well, I think it's very
1: few actually aren't religious. So Yeah, cause, oh, because saying you're not religious is is kind of a political trap. Yeah. But there's basically no point. Just say you're religious, but yeah, you, know, you don't practice. That's it. Yeah. It's the easiest thing to do. Um, yeah, so... I just, you know, confused message from ScoMo really, isn't it, Rob? Um, and just to link this as well, the New South Wales government had a bad weekend, losing um, a, f- a few by-elections um, in just a really ominous sign for not only the New South Wales government and their election will be next year, uh, also for the, the federal government for the election this year. We saw double-digit swings against the yeah. liberal New South Wales government. And it's always hard to tell, um,
0: especially in COVID times, the connections between state popularity and federal popularity. But when it's double digit, there has to be at least something that, um, you know, transpires between what happened in Bega and other electorates and what will happen in the federal election. Yeah,
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, And, you know, you just think about this in combination with the huge support, although waning now, but historically over the past year that Mark McGowan has had in WA. Yeah. Uh, you know it has to be worth something. Yeah, you know, it's not going to be an all or nothing kind of situation. So also,
0: Andrew's in Victoria. Yeah, right? true. Yeah, yeah. This I is think true. he's still quite popular. Yeah, yeah. Even I, after
1: everything. Yeah, I, uh, I just think in in you know, they haven't. It's been easier for state governments, I think, to look like they haven't messed up as much, even <laughs> cause though because they aren't ScoMo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, arguably their job is a bit easier. Um, yeah, but who knows, Rob? Like. Well, let's talk about the Labour Party just quickly. Yeah, I'm happy for that as well. I know we did, I think, talk about this a little bit last week. Um, But there's more polling data coming out. So the Guardian Essential poll uh, had a two-party preferred much closer than what the news poll that we talked about on last episode had it at. So it had this Guardian poll has Labour at 47%, the Libs with 46% and 7% undecided. And I think they made it clear that they're choosing to just not cut out that undecided, which is what they would usually do um, because they don't want to mess up like in 2019 when they messed up. They want to really show that it's, it could be either side easily.
0: I don't know how I'm interpreting this, but I'm okay with that personally. And I also feel like this is actually a good way of rallying because The Guardian is obviously going to be read by uh, labor-leaning people. It's probably a good way of rallying Labor people to actually not get too comfortable about the election.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe. The thing is, you know, elections can change very quickly. We've always said that. So what Labor don't want is the government to all of a sudden get their shit together in the four weeks or six weeks leading up to an election and Labor to be stuck kind of not having... A super good election vehicle i guess like yeah. really good policies although they are developing policies it's not to say they have no policies but what i'm trying to say i guess is that it's it's definitely not clear-cut that it's a labor victory and i know we predicted last week <laughs> what we thought was going to happen and at this stage if i had to say i would probably still say labor has the better chance but you know, that's only if I had to say it. That's, that's not because of Labor. That's because of the Liberal Party though, you
0: know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think the, L- the Labor Party is going to win this election, but I do see the Liberal Party losing it. Yeah, certainly. Which is probably
1: how I'd put it. And, it w- and what an implosion it will be if <laughs> the Liberal Party loses. I mean, imagine if it's a minority government or something and the Liberal Party loses only by a little bit. That would be really interesting because then maybe SCOMO would have a case to try and stay on. Yeah, maybe. Gee, I don't know, though. I mean, yeah, it's a bit pointless to contemplate stuff like that. But as as um we talked about
0: pretty much for the whole podcast so far, you know, this government is in seriously dire straits. A survey came out saying that only one third of Australians actually have confidence in the government. ANU survey, that is. Lowest since the bushfires, which... Uh, famously
1: on the podcast, we said, "Did we? Any- did anyone remember those?" Yeah, thank God for the press club when that was mentioned. I think we mentioned that last yeah. week when it, the bushfires were talked about. I know, because shockingly. That's, yeah, that's really the first. The first, I guess, uh, not in the string of government failures that yeah. have occurred since ScoMo won that election in 2019, and that 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 confidence in government was down from a peak in May 2020. So, which is per, like prime um remember when everyone's like
0: "Ah, oh, he's, he's doing a great job because yeah. he looks tired on tv when he <laughs> gives his nightly um, pref- press conferences
1: i mean well to the government's credit you know i'll give them credit where credit's due job keeper was i think a good idea I, oh I, it was I a great know, idea because <laughs> the fucking labor
0: party did it
1: i know i know but you know they were the ones who did it you know they moved they had the political will to do it they moved forward with it they're in government and also they didn't I mean, it's weird to give credit to them for something they didn't do, but they didn't make huge cuts to social spending, do it austerity, um, which was super important. They were happy to keep spending, so you know, I there's a you can make a case that they actually were a lot more competent in 2020, early 2020. Yeah, okay. and then obviously there were the huge failures of the vaccines, the the vaccine stroll out, and then as I coined on this podcast a little later, the rat test. I'm amazed. Face. I'm amazed the stroll out hasn't been adopted by more people. Have you, were you the one that
0: coined that? Or was no, that- God okay.
1: no. No, Strollout was coined in the media. Okay. Apologies. Um, yeah, I, I, I think your Labor will probably run that line <laughs> come election the stroll time. Strollout, yeah.
0: Nick, I'd like to talk about Canada, which is a country that isn't Australia, Whoa. surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> well, cra- yeah, okay. No, get me out of Australia, I'm bored. Um, we've seen during the week, uh, I'm not sure if many people Kept up with this because who really gives a shit about Canadian politics? Um, But there's been a massive protest. They've called like the Freedom Convoy. Basically based around these truckers who are protesting against uh, basically COVID restrictions in different provinces across Canada. Because they have a similar system to us. Making their job really difficult, right? And this is basically uh, spiraled into a broader anti-COVID restrictions and anti-vaccine protest. And it's really, really concerning. And I think it's something that we're seeing more and more of around the world in this freedom movement, as I've called it. And I'm freedom in big inverted commas there. Because uh, not getting vaccinated isn't exactly
1: uh, your free right of choice. Yeah, it's it's a very creative use of the term freedom, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And we're seeing more and more parties embrace this... uh, Freedom, again, line in quotations. We've seen in Australia the UAP, who are uh, luckily a minority party.
1: Luckily, thank But um God.
0: it's forced the Canadian Conservative Party, which is the you know, their liberals essentially, to ditch the relatively moderate Erin O'Toole, who ran on the last election of basically the classic uh moderate conservative of we still want to make corporations rich, but let's try and save the environment at the same time. A-
1: hugging the centre, basically.
0: Yeah. In an emergency no confidence uh, bill that came up and everyone voted against him. And now they're looking for a more populous figure in the meantime till they find someone. Uh, basically borrowing from their friends in the South and trying to find an El Trumpo of, yeah.
1: of Canada. Uh, dangerous, right? That's a, a, you know, a scary precedent for a Commonwealth country.
0: Absolutely, very scary for a country that has
1: the same system as us, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, like a Westminster, Westminster, such yeah. Westminster stu- type thing. Um,
0: and Nick, I think it's really concerning, and I wouldn't mind just talking about this broadly, and sorry if you want to hear more about the actual ins and out of the Canadian
1: protests. No, just please give me the broad, the broad themes. This isn't the first
0: time we've seen populist answers to COVID issues, which, you know, with all due respect to 2016 populism, At least then, you know, yeah, the world was kind of crumbling, but at least there isn't many, many lives at stake with with those issues of those time. Um, Whereas being just outright refusing information on COVID is super dangerous, yet it's gaining popularity, uh, especially in America. uh, And I use the word America as in North America, the continent. And it's really worrying really really worrying and i'm wondering nick we saw in 2016 the the rise of populism for the first time and looking back at it now i think academia is basically settled on the idea that it was neoliberalism and growing wealth inequality and all those underlying issues in poorer parts of the countries that populism rose up in but nick i'm wondering if this is you know are those issues still largely to blame for this
1: version of populism or is this completely different to what we saw in 2016? What a fascinating question, Rob. Like literally this stuff, like this is the stuff I f- throffed when I did like political science back in the day.
0: Well, that's why I thought, I thought you've done a lot of law lately.
1: You wouldn't mind talking oh. about something that's about <laughs> Boy, have I. a little bit interesting, right? <laughs> I forgot to do my UWA rant this episode. All right, we'll save that one for later. <laughs> um, yeah, no, as I said though, Rob, fascinating question. And what I will say is I'm sure there's, literature that is out there right now um or maybe being written that will an- try to answer a lot of these questions so so like I almost hesitate to say without seeing that but what my what my thoughts might be is that maybe it's some kind of mix or we true we didn't understand fully exactly the underlying reasons behind say 2016 populism like neo neo neoliberal neo- creep and wealth inequality and I think I've said it on this podcast before i think closely related to like wealth inequality neoliberalism is a, a just a huge failure of modern capital, capitalism to really instill values and make people think they belong as part of a community mm. and that society has principles that we stand for yeah i really think that you know because we've stripped government bare bones people more individualized you know don't see the role of government largely to make society better i think that that is maybe a better description of the fundamental frustration yeah. that populists feed on, and then of course they use these kind of more surface issues around COVID vaccines, all that kind of stuff, uh, to harness all that you know uh, underground or um, base you know frustration or cluelessness. Yeah, that I mean that would be my reason. Of course, you know that's just what what I would kind of assume from from the stuff I've read over the years maybe there's other other research that says differently but
0: yeah nick i'm going to be a little bit more ambitious and ignore a lot of research probably that's already been done and just kind of think about it myself i really like your point of isolation from society and creating that idea that you don't belong to a community which essentially getting vaccinated is the idea of belonging to a community
1: you know it really adds to the vaccine uh, rollout. That's so true. It's like the the fundamental reason why you get the vaccine. And yeah, that's why people don't get it, I guess. Exactly. And I think one thing that probably isn't
0: talked about enough when, when we talk about the internet and misinformation, that's, yeah, you know, misinformation obviously is a catalyst that helps breed this vaccine hesitancy. But because people are just on their phones all the time and don't actually, probably don't, you know, socialize as much i think that breeds that isolation from society a little bit more and it'd be very interesting to see you know 20 10 15 years down the track how populism has evolved with that because i as i said i basically i've put a little point here at the end is, do we think this vaccine populism is Vax, uh, you know populism 2.0 or 1.1 i think it is 1.1
1: i also think it's 1.1 and by that we mean old style populism with new new tricks or new surface level yeah. look
0: so i think that the isolation from society is a really really interesting point nick and i think technology has a lot more to do with uh populism full stop than just misinformation that we thought it probably was in in 2016. um and obviously i i still think definitely neoliberal creep um the failures of capitalism late-stage capitalism and uh, wealth inequality are clearly still at play here because you look at the vast majority of people that are unvaccinated, they're usually uh, poorer and un- uneducated people, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's very interesting to see. I want to see how this develops over time. Maybe I'll... Come back to this Canada issue. Maybe I won't because I don't really care about Canada.
1: I well, yeah. I mean, as I said, fascinating area and like something that I was interested in and I wrote essays on when I was doing Poli back in the day. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I, I think just to add a final point to that, Rob. To me, the the, the theme that aligns all of those things you talked about, like technology, um, isolation, wealth inequality, is just like the fundamental ideas of neoliberalism about the individual and about the um, belief in that maximizing utility for an individual, like that's the goal. Um, And then we can do that by stripping down public policy, any notion of a community. You know, Margaret Thatcher, what did she famously say that society doesn't exist? It's just the individual. Obviously, that's going to cause huge problems across all these areas. I I think that is the heart of it.
0: Yeah, Um, Nick, uh, that is a
1: fantastic point. And I think
0: that's a fantastic way to end the podcast.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Fight back against uh, the
0: individualism, right? And you know where we can create a community... And use technology to create a community, Nick. Oh, my God. Amazing, Yeah. (laughs) Where, Rob? At Unrepresentative Swill on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and at Swill Podcast on Twitter.
1: And if you want to keep being part of the community, keep listening back. We're super appreciative of everyone who's listening. We thank you so much. And we'll be back uh, next Monday with a super up-to-date podcast. Awesome. See you then.